This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, uh, in today with Matt Fasaro and Steve Mareska. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. I swapped it up. Do you notice that? I always, start with, I always start with Steve's name. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, it's not right. We had to, we had to swap <laughs> it up a bit. Um, so today, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, sort of maybe an aggregate a bit, a uh, bunch of the reports that come out uh, annually around sort of, you know, incidents, uh, breaches, you know, data disclosures, insider threat, et cetera. Uh, uh, you know, for people, if anybody's interested in reading them and, and, and doesn't follow this space, you know, closely, you know, Mandiant releases report, IBM, uh, Ponemon Institute, uh, the Verizon, uh, DBIR, mm-hmm. um, all, all really interesting reads. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, they sort of say somewhat the same thing, but uh, a great perspective on the sort of the state of the information security industry today. And going back like 15 years plus, so. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, these are legitimate, no doubt. Um, and I think though today we wanted to spend a little bit of time focusing our discussion on uh, sort of insider threat. Uh, I think for a variety of reasons, right? One certainly, uh, you know, it's a concern. Uh, you know, when, when we do some incident response, it tends to be something that comes up for sure. Um, certainly, you know, each report spends some time alluding to it. But I also think there's you know there's regulatory compliance reasons for businesses to think about. Yeah, you know, what what is insider threat and how do they protect against it? So, you know, I don't know, Matt, you I think you probably have some definitions or thoughts on what insider threat is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good place to start is actually talking about what a lot of these places when they make these reports or when you're looking at some type of infograph or something like that, what an insider threat actually is and what uh I guess how they classify them, right? Most people think it's some disgruntled employee or um you know, someone that's looking to get some data out of the organization for whatever reason, right? Uh, most of the time, they they do include those numbers, but they also include things like a negligent employee, like you you left a password somewhere, or you didn't secure a database properly. Uh, they usually group that into an insider threat as well, right? Um, so keeping in mind that those those are part of all those numbers. Um, but yeah, we we're focusing on the insider threat mostly because we saw some interesting data there uh, for this year. A lot of costs went up, um, and I think a lot of organizations kind of focused on the uh, the hacker, if you will, the, the right. someone attacking or using phishing or something like that to get a password, right? So that they can take that data or take that uh, access and move laterally, get data that that person had access to, whatever it might be, right? Um, I think it's interesting that this year we're looking at about what was it fifty six percent of the incidents that were uh, part of these studies were of, because of negligence because of a, right. a, either a contractor or an employee that did something that they should. So you know, interesting. So greater than half was a result of negligence, mm-hmm. uh, and yet the majority, or you know, greater than half of the people polled were concerned about the attacker. So right. in a way, I think a strong argument can be made that you might be concerned about, to some degree, the wrong thing. I, I actually have a theory on that, and it has to do with some of these other reports that make the popular press. Uh, some things that we've cited ourselves, for example, the, the general metric of an actual incident like ransomware 
that's been reported over the last five years or so is that 80 to 90% of those incidents have to do with credential theft. Right. That's accurate in that demographic. Mm -hmm. This is broader than that. And I think, I think, I think it's a cause of people conflating the two. So, so here's a question though. So the credential theft, the individual who was successfully fished, do they fall into the category of negligent employee or do they fall into the category of sort of you know, attack a successful cyber actor? Yeah. For the reports that you see, they're going to be probably not considered. That'll be a, a credential theft. Yeah. Right? Okay. You could definitely make the argument for negligence there. Um, and that's why a lot of security awareness training is targeted towards people that or groups and departments that have a history of falling for phishing campaigns. Negligence, you know, it doesn't, it, it sounds really negative. Right. And it is, right? It, it, there's, there's a reason for the term to have the connotation it does, but it's inadvertent disclosure in a lot of cases. Somebody mm-hmm. emailed something they shouldn't have to a party who shouldn't have received it. That's negligence. And it happens all the time. Right. And that's lumped up into the reportable incidents. Yeah, sometimes it's just we forgot a configuration item. And guess what, guys? This system is super complex. I'm sorry I didn't hit that checkbox, but it could have right. led to, you know, a million dollar incident. Right. But well, so, so there's a nice segue, right? Which is, you know, what are the costs of these things? And, and they go up every year for sure. I think one, one, one takeaway uh, the bigger the company, the more expensive it is to protect yourself against insider threats. That, that was a real right. revelation. Yeah, and I guess it also to go along with that, some of the things that you probably would have expected, the services and financial industry, they're the ones that get hit the hardest from um, from a dollars per incident standpoint, mostly because they have so many compliance structures that they have to fall under and make sure that people they're working with and they're disclosing things properly and they actually clean up everything. A lot of checks and balances have to happen. Um, but it, yeah, it, the, the larger you are, the harder it is to contain these things, the harder it is to do the uh, the forensics on this. They may have more data available, but that just means there's more things to do with the data. Complexity comes at a cost. And, yep. you know, organizations that are small, that have modest revenue, but still resemble big organizations, many offices geographically spread apart, those are the expensive ones from a complexity standpoint to recover from an incident. And I think that is something to keep in mind. Right. Um, you know, broad numbers in these reports may be in excess of the gross operating revenue of many of those smaller orgs, but it's yeah. still a, a complexity concern. Yeah. One of the ones that we saw, you know, anyone under 500, they're looking at about $8 million over the year to resolve insider threats. I think that's really high. Um, I think maybe, <laughs> maybe they had some outliers in the data that they had on that one, but don't, uh, I guess don't shy away from that number either. Right. Um, I'd say maybe 5 million is a good number. Yeah, I was going to say, even if it's half that, you know, it's still plenty. Yeah, it, it just costs a lot of money to, to address these things. And that includes you know, things like you brought up, Steve, the credential monitoring, or not credential, the uh, credit monitoring that would have to happen afterwards, all the technologies that even your board are probably going to say, hey, I want you to implement these things now. So it's, a, it's product licensing, it's people, it's services that have to happen afterwards. And it's insurance premiums yes. because, you know, that yep. $8 million there goes directly to what you're paying from, from a carrier in terms of coverage. I, I think that 500 headcount for $800 million for resolution of insider threat isn't unreasonable from the perspective of a, uh, an insurance modeling perspective. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of customers of, you know, 1,200 headcount that 
are more around five, four to five million in terms of policy coverage. That might be appropriate. It depends on the org, right? But that's the general ballpark we're talking about. Right. And, and you know, I think the complexity of the solutions you put in place are greater for larger companies, right? Your, your security budget is going to be greater. Uh, hopefully, you're, in, in many cases, I think the you know, security program maturity is, is better. And you're spending more money on technology. So, you know, uh, user behavior analytics is not something that we frequently recommend to you know fifty and hundred person companies, but I think it's perfectly appropriate for you know your large insurance carriers, et cetera. So yep. you're you're going to spend more money there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, like like you said, the smaller you are, the harder it is to implement something like user right. monitoring. No doubt, right? The the cost of those solutions is just high. Right. Period. Or worst case, you know, it's not, they're not staffed at all to make use of those right. technologies. There's a outlay to put it in place and then it sits unused. Well, I think that that goes into the cost, right? So it's not just licensing. It is staffing and, you know, getting, getting the headcount you need to actually make use of the tools you purchased. Yeah. I think for, for smaller orgs that they probably should focus on, um, I guess, more to the point of the problem. Email is a huge issue. And even in the respondents of, of a lot of these reports, they constantly say email was the reason why this right. happened, right? Whether it's people storing or basically using it as a file share, right? Sending documents back and forth to uh, either entities or other people that they should not have in the first place, uh, sending passwords, all, all those types of things, including phishing, happen through email. That's where most of the problems happen, right? So if you focus on that and you're a smaller org, you'll probably help yourself out quite a bit. Closely coupled with that was simply accessing data outside of a job role, which isn't, you know, right. entirely email related, but certainly email adjacent, right? You know, you have people who yep. are granted access as a member of a department, let's say, to sensitive info. They didn't need it, but hey, yep. their account got compromised. It's accessible to the attacker. Therefore, it's in scope. Yeah. Or, you know, Tom is in accounting today, but he's been moved. Right. Right. And nothing, nothing was ever taken away from him. He just keeps getting more permissions. And a lot of times that's because HR and IT aren't really well aligned. Sometimes IT doesn't even know these people have changed job roles, right? And that's why this happens. Right. So I want to shift, if it's all right, to um, instant timelines, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the more interesting statistics broadly that some of these reports indicated was that um, a very small number, under 15%-ish, uh, of incidents were contained in 30 days. Yeah, that was surprising. This is really critical. And we, we talk a lot about a long tail of incident resolution. This is a key reflection of that fact. Uh, it might be, you know, the first week is simply getting the data to make sense of the environment and uh, get the arms around a threat to contain it. Especially true when there's an org that doesn't have that um, good information, good tooling. Um then the next week is, you know, getting business uh, operations back up and functioning. And the tail end is cleanup and restoration and dealing with legal insurance and so on. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. It, once you start getting past the like two and a half week range to the 30 days, you're, you're talking about spending a lot of money. And it, like you said, Steve, it's because of things like employee productivity going down. Um <laughs> Paying for consultants or experts to come in and help with those things, um, you can get costly real quick after thirty days. And I don't know that we're going to see the timeline, the timeline to resolution 
get that much shorter. Maybe the timeline to detection. Uh, and the reason I say yep. that is, you know, the insurance carriers now are are putting in certain requirements that uh, businesses have to implement prior to getting policies, right? Uh, you know, EDR, so, you know, some other technologies, I think, to design to make them a little bit more secure. But I think from a responder's standpoint, probably give a little bit better data uh, during that time of containment. So we might see a little bit of that containment time shortened. You're still going to have your notification period. You're still going to have your your legal requirements at the tail end, and, and frankly, you're still going to roll into into clients that don't have great architecture documents or engineering plans to tell you, you know, what services, how they were built, how to restore them. So I don't know that we're going to see that change a lot. I, I think the data even reflects that to some degree. Um, the increase of uh, rapid response type technologies. Uh, may be reflected in the fact that fiscal 22 saw containment costs drop relative to fiscal 20. That could be a pandemic oddity yeah, that could as, be. as well. But I do have a theory that it's related to insurance to some degree, simply because there's been a sea change in terms of what EDR technologies are in place and the mm -hmm. relative ease with which systems can be isolated. Yeah, I, I'm optimistic, though, that the discovery time or maybe even the dwell time gets shorter as businesses now implement some of these more sort of tried and true technologies, right? And I think, you know, to some degree, I think insurance took a beating because they didn't have, uh, they, they, they didn't know the risk that they were taking on. I think they understand it now. They're putting in requirements right. and that frankly are going to be, are going to improve the security for a lot of these smaller businesses. Yeah. A lot of the businesses that end up in these reports, they're large. They are. Um, so it's always good to keep that in mind. So they've probably implemented a lot of the things that insurance is now telling the smaller places you need to have for, for your cyber liability. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to watch these numbers to see if they go up or down, right? Because if they, if they continue to go up, that's bad for the industry. It is. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess time will tell with that one this, to see if, this, if the technology is actually helping or if it's just shifting the uh, shifting the tiles around a little bit. <laughs> which, which is possible, right? Because you, yeah. you're right, right. This is representative of generally larger companies that yep. probably have a lot of these technologies in place already. So maybe we just start to see a little bit of an improvement at that sort of smaller business side of things just in general, but not a, not a big dial change here. Well, I, th I think a lot of this goes back to the skills gap, mm. right? That's fair. Um, that gap is getting bigger. And especially in large orgs, you're not going to be able to hire an entire team of experts, right? You're going to have a mix. I think that mix is becoming, I don't know, worse, if you will. I, you know, I, I think this goes back to the relative emphasis on credential theft compared to negligence, right. actually. The skills gap has a psychological effect where organizations are likely to look outwards for the source of a threat. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not personally of the opinion that that's the best place to look. And I think you've expressed something similar. Yep. Yeah. And while that stuff usually causes a more expensive incident, you know, credential theft or something like that, um, the prevalence of ne negligence, I think, highly outweighs it, right? I think it's an order of magnitude, right? That uh, credential theft is more expensive than a an insider threat that uh, is from negligence. But yeah, if you, if you have twice as many or three times as many of those incidents, that's, that's the real problem here, right? Right. <laughs> so, so much of the technology is driven to stop that stuff anyway. 
you know, to stop the credential theft and so much of the, the guidance and security hardening. It all focuses on it. So if you do your your regular cyber hygiene, I feel like you're covering a lot of that already. So and, and I would say honestly, if you start to if you take the credential theft part out, because I think that's detectable with a lot of technology that we have in place, right? And, and you should be able to then sort of react and make make security improvements relative to that. It's a lot more difficult to, I think, identify and then address the legitimate insider threat, right? The individual who's been compromised, the individual who's siphoning data yes. out and small increments in, you know, really you know, undetectable ways, like maybe a USB key that comes out at, you know, hundred records at a time. Like there's a lot of ways that people can, can cause problems. People want to trust the people who work for them. So right, you've always got that just general human nature bias in place. Uh, and it's really hard to, to identify the real insider threat. Yeah. I think this once again proves that technology helps security, but it's ultimately a people problem. Ultimately. Right. We've, we've had, you know, tabletop exercises in, you know, games around scenarios with true criminal insider threat. They can only be inferred usually yep. because they're operating within the bounds of actual user privilege grants. Um, so I think you're right in the in the sense that uh, they're not easy to discover. You have to find them after carving everything else out right. of the way. And it is an institutional problem. Like those so those tabletops that you're referring to, you know, we had individuals from from HR in place. We had individuals from legal. Like it was not a an IT issue to identify the insider threat. It, it, it was a, it was a company wide problem, it, right? It kind of all hands on deck in some ways. Um, so, you know, it, it is, it, again, they're, they're interesting reports for sure. And I think, I think it behooves everybody from the business owner to the security practitioner to at least generally understand what risks are out there, you know, what some of the potential costs might be. Um, I think frankly, understanding a report like this helps Probably business owners even realign some of the spend in their organizations on on training, on technical controls, et cetera, because uh, because there's a lot of great there's a lot of great data here, and I think your point, Matt, is really well made, which is we hope we see some of these these numbers change a bit, right? Because yeah, I yeah. think that the our industry has gotten more mature. Uh, it would be nice to see some of the numbers drop uh, in some ways. Yeah, I think I think we're at the point now where uh, we need some data to back up. I guess the the practicing theories that we've been doing for, for years now. Uh, I think in, in a lot of areas that, that has proven itself, itself to be useful, but uh, things like this, yeah, I, I think we need to see some better numbers. I, I think I'll be satisfied if the costs drop overall, right. even if the, right. the incident per organization count goes up. Yep. Be, because the That's act of looking will yield more incidents. I think it's appropriate to be more, um, I don't know, generous with, with what might be determined to be an incident because it just sheds light on things that need correction. Yeah, well, you have a responsibility. I, I don't know how many times I've said in the past that in spite of the fact that an organization I might have worked for had more incidents, my argument always was it's because we we do a better job now of if detecting, yeah. right? <laughs> and. I don't know how many companies I've spoken with who said, oh, we've, we've never had an incident. And you simply know that's not true. Yeah, you're not right? you're just hard. not looking. <laughs> and, and so I, I do think it, it's fine to find them. I think you actually have a responsibility to, to identify them and disclose them and, and sort of handle them in a responsible way. Um, and, and, and in large part, that's what these reports are sort of identifying, right? The appropriate disclosure and appropriate management of, of 
incidents, insider threats, et cetera. Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you're listing and you're on a board or some type of management position, uh, instead of saying, "Hey, what are we doing for security?" Maybe maybe look at these reports. Maybe you know, take what we've talked about here and use that as a uh, a way to construct that question a little better, right? So, how are we handling specific types of threats? This is what I'm seeing. Yeah, let them talk about that a little bit. Look for your specific industry. Yep. Find the trends right. in that industry and then map them to your own organizational priorities. Right. Yeah, they'll be different for everyone. Uh, I, mean, I think, Matt, I think that's a good closer. So uh, I think on that note, then, uh, you know, if anybody wants to talk about any of these reports in, you know, sort of more detail with us, feel free to reach out to us at, at Twitter and LinkedIn. You know, we're happy to continue the conversation. Uh, if anybody has any concerns about how to deal with some of these issues, uh, you know, we certainly have background in, 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 you know, social engineering and insider threats and a variety of other things. So, you know, let us know. We're happy to have a conversation and, and help in any way that we can. Uh, as always, we hope people got value out of this. Uh, thanks guys for, for participating today. It was an interesting talk. Stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been Cybersound.